Welcome to the all-new Rose City Soccer Show, featuring Will Conwell, Kip Kesgard, Roscoe Myrick, and I'm your host, Dan Adams. All right, Will, you've got forwards. Let's start with you. game uh already seems like it uh, was so long ago there uh the playoffs are already in uh well for some of us it motion. lives forever in our hearts but i guess for others of us we've moved past it i don't want to judge but go ahead sorry i've i've spent the last week in a tortured hellscape of fever and sickness uh so <laughs> it sounds uh, like you've been saving money on really liquor does seem so long ago i, I wish uh, <laughs> If that was the case, you know, I might at least have some good stories from it. This has just been lying in bed and sweating myself to death. Could you lick an um, envelope and send it to me? That way I can save money on liquor also. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the, the fever broke um, last night. Uh, oh, this is just I my luck. I think I am finally on the mend. Uh, although you might be able to tell from the more nasal and sniffly tone of my voice than normal that uh i'm not quite 100 percent yet Uh, nasal and sniffly and sexy let's be honest it's an improvement (laughs) well the the dulcet tones of will's um bass voice have only benefited from a little more nasal to balance out the overall sound I like how the phlegm interacts with your tonsils. Ooh, that's what she's that's what she said, question mark. <laughs> oh my. Are we still talking about forwards? I don't even know at this point. Uh well, yeah, if sure you were being very I... forward. <laughs> that's, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I have ever been successful. Please continue, Will. Uh don't so make it awkward. Forward. Uh, Darren Maddox, obviously, <laughs> with the uh, with the big goal in this one to uh, to put the Timbers over top of his former team. Um, <clears throat> oh God! Uh, so, it, I mean, this one was another pretty standard uh, Maddox game. Lots of running around. Um, not a ton of touches on the ball, really. Um, uh, but, you know, for the nth game in a row, you know, he came through in a big moment. Um, now, we've seen a lot of... Uh... <coughs> God, sorry. This is going to be brutal. Hey, Roscoe, dial 9-1, and then if anything okay. goes down... Just you can be the first to call it in. Okay. Yeah. I'll call nine one. Um. <laughs> I literally just heard those beeps. That was amazing. <laughs> New high point on Rose City Soccer Show, as far as I'm concerned. Beep boop. Yeah. Uh, Are we still talking about forwards, or did I travel on time? I I beep, think boop. so. 
Well, uh, so in terms of the forwards uh, finishing off, uh, talking about Darren Maddox, I, I feel like there's there wasn't a ton to talk about in terms of what the forwards brought to this one. Uh, if we're looking at Darren Maddox and uh, and King Jabo, uh, you know they they both uh, put the work in running down the uh, the Vancouver backline. Um, you know they uh, they they both stretched things out. Um, but, you know, in what was a, a pretty cagey match, they, uh, they really weren't the focus, uh, of what was going on. Um, Maddox, as I, as I started to say before I succumbed to my coughing fit earlier, uh, you know, he was not really on the ball very much. Um, you can see looking back at his game that, you know, he made a lot of those, uh, runs into the box and stretch things out. But, um, you know, he really wasn't able to connect that often uh, with the guys around him. However, uh, when uh, when the Timbers needed him to, he was able to uh, to, to make another influential play. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what you need when it's do or die time. And, you know, do or die time is exactly what the Timbers have coming up with the playoffs. Can we refer to it as guys, die or did time? And we definitely did. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we can. I don't know. No. Trademark. Did you guys don't even try to steal that. See, uh, see anything more to the to the forward play in this one than uh, than I'm remembering through my fever-addled brain? Will doesn't even know he's talking to us right now. He thinks he's talking to like a vision on in his room. Um, who's who's addressing this? Anyone oh, with yeah. a temperature below one hundred and nine? Okay. Well, I just have a que- I have a question for both of you about because like the whole the you know obviously is centered around Adi and what the hell is going on with him, um, and. A lot of people that are saying, like, even if Adi comes back and is healthy, like, we should start him. And I feel like their main argument is that we're playing well and Maddox fits, like, what we're doing right now at the moment. And I'm not 100% convinced by that. And I was wondering, like, what you guys felt, like, if that was a decent argument that what how Maddox plays is a good fit for our offense. Uh, and so, therefore, if we get like a sixty percent on D, we should just stick with Maddox, Kipper, Will, or Dan. Well, I th- I think I I think I will just say this much: uh, the forward play was forward, not backwards; upwards, not forwards; and twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom or victory or something like that. Uh, you feel a little sick, Kip? No fever. Kip Nothing caught it over the phone from Will. Yeah, <laughs> got it, got it. But but no, it's just it's just basically Will's point of running around and creating space. I mean that's basically what Maddox and Abobasi did. And to an extent, to get to uh, Roscoe's question, Adi does a lot of that same thing in creating space. But I think the one thing that Adi does better than Maddox, and I think Abobasi can necessarily learn about it, is holding the ball in traffic. 
that is the one thing that Adi has that is at a premium that I wish if if Darren Maddox could hold the ball and actually be a better distributor, then I'm all for letting Maddox be that guy and the the main striker, uh, the main forward. But right now, at least for me, they are entirely different players in terms of what they bring in a skill set. And and I get it. You want it, you don't want to disrupt the chemistry and and the the solid play that is going on right now. So obviously Maddox is the current choice just simply based out of form, but I don't think that anybody can make just a simple decision and say, well, he's playing well, so let's sell let's sell Adi or, you know, um keep a Bobasi completely on the bench. You you necessarily can't do that. It the Timbers always need options because some teams are going to figure it out. And I think in matches where we've seen Maddox really struggle, it's basically those situations where teams have figured out how to bottle him up and then what do the Timbers do in those in those situations? And the answer is the offense flounders. So yeah, I think for me, um, it really comes down to sort of the way the Timbers look uh, while they're playing that, you know, uh, with uh, with Adi versus Maddox, um, that really gets people on to this, uh, you know, play Maddox train. Um, I think that when you have Maddox up top, uh, just like Kip said, he's not really much of a hold-up guy. You know, he's more about stretching things out and making runs. Uh, and that opens up space, which is great for Valeri. Uh, it's great for Blanco. It's great for Nagby. Um, and, you know, it, it really, I think, lends itself to a much more uh, attractive brand of football um, from the Timbers. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, to that extent... Will brought up football. That sense. means I'm going to talk about Notre Dame USC later. Stay tuned. And now that he's sick... That was sick when he said football. He's like, football. Yeah. <laughs> football. Like he's from I never like say the South or football when I am not sick. So I'm going to blame that on the fever. Uh, but anyway. Uh, We're all Will's fever dream at this point. Are you ready for some football? It's <laughs> very likely to me. Uh, but uh, so. On the other hand, when you have Adi in, um, you have a guy who is is capable of uh, of hold up play. Um, who, if you who you can just you know kind of boom the ball down the pitch to him, and more often than not, he is going to be able to muscle off a defender uh, and bring the ball down in an advantageous position. Um, and you know that's not going to be. Uh, to my mind, as as aesthetically pleasing, um, and it's not going to maximize the things that Diego Valeri does or the the things that Sebastian Blanca does. Um, you know, those guys are going to have less space because even though they're running off of Adi, um, you know, they really want to be operating in the area between the back line and the midfield rather than. Uh, having that area compressed and then trying to work through the back line. So when you've got Adi out there, it's really, um, to my mind, just coming down to, you know, is the 
goal scoring and, you know, outlet opportunities that Adi gives you um, enough to balance out uh, what you're losing in the, uh, in the space afforded to your attacking midfielders. Um, and I think for the most part, the answer has got to be yes, because Adi's really good. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, he's very good at scoring goals and he's very good at, uh, you know, uh, defending set pieces and he's very good at a lot of things. Um, but you know, maybe he's not the most pleasing to the eye, uh, at first glance. That's my take on it. You said a lot of things that I just heard that, uh, the only thing I heard you really say was that he's already unsold. I heard say not pleasing to I. I do like I I agree with you, but I also think like I'd really love to see just a super hot Larry and Blanco playing off Adi. Maybe if you want to solve that problem, play him a little bit down the pitch a little further so that they can run run off of him. And uh, I feel like Adi's got this like un underrated skill in the sense that like people used to say this about Shaq is like you you're so in awe by like his physicality and what he does but like he has a really soft touch on his passes uh he's really underrated passer and I feel like Adi um I mean at the last play we've seen him was a little backhill for that ended up being in a goal um and you know in some ways it's sad Send off if that's going to happen, but I don't know. I was, Wait, I was curious. And Shaq or Valeri? Both. Both ended on Shaq does have little... a dominant back heel. Yeah. Still does. Yeah. Always did. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah, I guess I I, I hope we just get to see him. I want to see him play. Well, I think I think we all do. You know, it's it's all it to me. It's always about options. The the better teams especially this time of year, are the ones that can do multiple things and are not predictable in terms of making it easy for the defenses. And the fact is having Adi and Maddox give you two entirely different skill sets. Yep. At least Let me ask one. you this. I, I think I saw a tweet today by MP that said Adi would definitely be back in the first round, if not the away match, then certainly the home match. Mm-hmm. Um, you are... You're the manager of the Timbers. You have the option of setting the the lineup for the first match. Um, do you go with Adi or do you or go with uh, Maddox? Uh, I think I go Maddox on the road and I let Adi start the home leg. Why is that? I think basically because looking at the potential opponents who I'm actually watching at this point right now, I think um, on the road, because you're dealing with grass pitches and um, bigger center backs, just in terms of defense, I think a Maddox on the road basically spaces at a premium, especially away from Providence Park. So play Maddox, he's going to give you more speed and the ability to run about. Get him at home against Providence Park, and then Adi, especially on the turf, he's got a penchant for getting goals. I I make the call and let Adi start and give him 
give him at least a half to see what he can give him. Roscoe, what about you? I mean, if he's healthy, I'm playing him. And both legs. Uh, yeah. If he's healthy for this upcoming match, I'm saying to myself, all right, well, he is a forward, so yes, I might have to burn one of my subs if I feel like he's not up to par. You know, but also hopefully you're looking at him in training to see if he's, you know, anywhere close to ready. Um, and if he doesn't do well in the first 45 minutes, then great. You have fresh legs and Maddox, and yeah, you've burned us up, but it's worth it to have your best players on the field at the most important times, in my opinion. And then I, if he's ready to go for the home game, I'll start him, I start him there too. Right, you will. God. Uh, so for me, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I would just take a really conservative line, uh, with this, um, you know, I you think take that, away my uh, healthcare. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Rose um, city soccer show just got political in front of our literally <laughs> ones of listeners. That's not political. Live. That's policy. That's true. I that's my mistake. I hate it when people mix up policy with politics. Roscoe, you're right. I'm wrong. I apologize. <laughs> Say it again. Policy of truth, man. <laughs> you're right. I'm wrong. I apologize. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Uh Will, were you done? Yeah. No, he's he didn't. He didn't actually tell us what he was going to do. <laughs> he said take a conservative <laughs> approach. Yeah, he said I would, he was going to uh, destroy the environment. Yep. Um, I would uh, totally vote for that. Whatever the latest travesty uh, is. <laughs> I believe Dennis um, Richardson is the latest travesty. I think Will just got. Sorry, Beasley. Beasley's on television right now. Go Irish. Everyone be quiet while I watch Beasley. <laughs> uh, no, so I was... Uh, I, was uh, I would definitely start Maddox in the first game uh, and look to give Adi like a 20-minute run out. Um, I mean, you know, he, he is a guy who can make an immediate impact uh, on games, especially when you're sort of switching up uh, what your approach is and what your, uh, you know, how you're looking to play through your forward or play uh, to your forward. Um, and then just also the fact that he really has not played in months. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that the, the Timbers are uh, functioning well enough that, um it would be more to their advantage to work him in slowly over the course of two games uh, than to sort of rush him back and maybe put him in a situation where uh, he might not be able to uh, to play to his full potential over the course of the playoffs. Um, you know, I think the Timbers have what it takes to uh, get the results that they need without him uh starting and you know if uh 
if that means that they can take it slow with him and work him in as the playoffs continue, uh, then that's great. Um, and I think that sometimes that's the, the risk you have to take in terms of uh, not taking a risk. For, our, for the overlap in the Venn diagram between Notre Dame fans and Rose City Sox show listeners, um, which is my mother, uh, I think I said Beasley earlier. I meant Beasler. I was going to play it off like we all call Beasler Beasley, um, but I am both too intoxicated to pull off a ruse like that and also just intoxicated enough to m- say Beasley when I met Beasler. So um, Roscoe was going to go next, and I will edit this out in post-production. I mean, to be fair, Beasley was also on the TV. Yes. Yeah. On the other side, and didn't go Notre Dame. But, Will, I appreciate the grace that was involved with that unnecessary, but um, much appreciated uh, affirmation. I don't know anybody, I don't think, who knows where Beasley went to college. Did they even have college back then? It was just Socratic dialogues. It was like the mid-30s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, we had a depression on. I'm pretty sure he went to PSG Eindhoven. Oh. Bless you. Anybody else? I think we're still on forwards. We're like a solid half hour in and have not talked about midfield yet. Anybody else on forwards? Nope. I am pretending like I definitely remember who we started with forwards on, and I'm going to say, Kip, you've got midfield because I don't think you had forwards. Let's go with you, question mark. Hey, I did not. So, yeah. Uh, midfield midfield was uh, pretty um, – there was alternating play with, within the midfield, but I think overall I would give it uh, a enthusiastic two thumbs up. Sebastian Blanco was very dangerous, but very snake bit. Um, he certainly had a couple of sitters in the first half that I'm sure he would love to have those chances back. But the fact is, is that his ability to overlap and work well off of passes from various players is really dangerous. And I think that um, I, I, took, I took some exception to MLSsoccer.com saying that the Timbers are a one-person team with just Diego Valeri and, oh, does Sebastian Blanco scare people? And quite frankly... Blanco's has eight goals and eight assists. All, all Blanco's really done in the past few matches is have a brace and contribute mightily. So mm-hmm. I would just yeah. sleep on him if I were any other team in the Western Conference playoffs. Oh, Pro yeah. Tip. yeah, yeah, completely ignore him and stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, so Blanco, you know, had had moments, but uh, you know, I'm I'm sure the fact that he was dangerous is is awesome. Uh, Nagby put in some good defensive work, and I think distribution-wise, he was pretty good. I think he had some some, some shots that he would um, have also loved to have had better, better chances at. Well, Valeri has really been drawing most of the attention from the defense. You, you could tell that Vancouver's um, attack plan was to really – Bra- uh, bracket Valeri and foul him or annoy him as much as possible with some early fouls. And while that sort of worked... Will annoys me. That's not a plan. 
um, that you know of. <laughs> um, well played, Kip. Hurtful, Dan. Hurtful. Yeah. So, uh, you know. It's tough so, but fair, Will. Yeah. So, Valeri certainly has been the catalyst of our offense, but we are far from just one person, far from one person on offense. And so I think that that's that to me is a quality of this team that's going to be difficult to deal with in the playoffs. It's like, who do you try to stop? For the Timbers. Kip, and the- I don't know the history of soccer, so I oftentimes think about other sports. And Valeri reminds me a lot of Magic Johnson. And by that, I mean, like, he was able to score and scored in a dangerous way. And his most significant contribution was oftentimes um, putting other players in scoring positions with assists. Um, number one, could you please affirm that metaphor? And number two, like, I think one of the things about Valeri is like, even if you stop him from scoring, you haven't stopped his primary contribution. He he's able to do a lot more than that. And I think that makes the, the obligation of other teams much bigger than, you know, foul him or, or keep him from the back of the net. Like, I, I think you've got a lot more to worry about with Valeri than just his ability to score. Well, yeah, your analogy is perfect because yes. in his, the history in MLS, there's only been two players that have had 20 goals and double-digit assists, and Mr. Valeri is one of them. And that's I still have about. my um, Mark McGuire 4040 Bash Brothers Club baseball card from sixth grade. If anybody wants to buy that, hit me up. Um, yeah, you're you're, but you're spot on. Valeri is far more dangerous than just as a goal scorer, and I think that that's something that teams are going to have to account for. Um, the fact that Guzman and Chara were very good defensively, uh, I still have some, I I still have some concerns about Guzman in terms of set pieces. I still think his service is not as quality as I as I would like. Um, but overall, the midfield was pretty good. Um, Roscoe, what do you think? Uh, I want to talk about Blanco for a second. I, I, too, do not know the history of soccer, but I also do not know the history of sports. Uh, so I'm going to go with an analogy. You know, the history uh, of the Raiders, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Harry Potter. And I think that um, Blanco is like the Neville Longbottom. Uh, in Meaning he that, gets like, good looking in the end. Yeah, and also MLS.com is just sleeping on him like he's just a side character, but at the end of the day, he's gonna save it. So, <laughs> and get good looking in the end. Yeah, he is a good looking man. Uh, pulls off a Neville weird, or like, who, not who are you so talking full... about at this point? Neville Longbottom, dude. Okay, great. Cosine. Okay. Let's continue. It's like a hero at the end of the books. Do you not, what are you talking? You don't know this? Also, stupid uh, good looking. Were there books of Harry Potter? Potter? We'll talk about something else. I think I think I heard yeah. rumors of such. Yeah. Um, I I do want to say something about Blanco. Um, in that, so I feel like Vancouver always comes to us and they're like, "We're gonna we're gonna beat you up. We're real bad guys." And they got like some sort of tall ginger that like always complains, and then like like Kendall Watson like really wants to hurt people, but his legs are too big, and like like all these people are like like tough guy wannabes, and I feel like a lot of that was like just 
almost kind of like wiped out by like four foot four Sebastian Blanco, like step into the mic against Kendall Watson and saying, what up, bro? Like, I will take you down. And like, I feel like that really just takes kind of some of the like intimidation factor away from Vancouver and, you know, they're big or whatever. And I think like, I was going to say like watching that guy do that, like go all around the field and just, just, have no fear and just step to everybody that's in his way. It was just a joy to watch, um, especially from a, a, being a fan of a team that, like, you know, we we have had some really good dudes. We don't have a whole lot of guys that are, like, super fiery or, like, not laid back since, like, Will Johnson left. And, like, just to have him here doing that, like, is, I think, was a a good thing in this game. I'm not going to say it was a turning point or anything, but, like, him fighting for every ball, I think, was uh, as important as anybody's um, contribution in this game. So, love watching that dude. Um, you know, I think Valeri was Valeri. He's a little bit bottled up. Teams are, like, trying to account for him. Um, but I think that other guys have to step up. We'll talk about, like, Vitas later. But, like, uh, and also going into the playoffs, just seeing Nagby, like, take guys on and want to get a shot, even though, like, some of his shots were maybe not the best chances. Just to see him with that kind of aggression going into the playoffs is really important, I think. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I think uh, the level of aggression that Blanco brings in the attack is something that, uh, I mean, A, really helps the Timbers, as you're saying. But, you know, B, it's also just really fun to watch. Uh, you know, the Timbers do not, they, despite having some, some really fantastic dribblers in Diego Valeri and uh, Darlington Nagby, you know, they're not always just taking people on. You know, Valeri uh, is most comfortable taking someone on when he's kind of out in space. He's looking for space to... Uh, you know, to get off a shot from distance or, or serve a ball in. Uh, and Nagby, you know, I mean, plenty has been written about Nagby's propensity for not taking people on. Um, and just having a guy like Blanco, uh, you know, who just obviously wants to go at people um, and who has the close in control to, uh, to not just, take people on, but to uh, to sort of benefit from all the random bounces that happen around him. Uh, it's something that is really nice to have on your team. Um, you know, obviously on the on Maddox's goal, um, in his uh, sort of dribble across the top of the box to, uh, to find space to send in Vitas, uh, Blanco did some great work there. But um, I think you can also see kind of what I'm talking about in terms of the uh, the moment late in the first half when the ball was just bouncing around in the Vancouver box uh, and, you know, kind of Valeri and Blanco and a handful of defenders were all right there. Uh, and somehow Blanco emerges from the crowd with the ball uh, and gets off a shot, but, you know, puts it right into a defender on the end line. Um, you know, the fact that he was able to kind of work his way through that pile up uh, and come out with the ball, um, you know, for some players that would seem like luck, but for Blanco, like that's the sort of thing that happens to him as often as not. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's great 
fun to see, especially because he is such a little guy. He just kind of pops out of the crowd of gigantic Vancouver defenders with the ball and almost sneaks one. Uh, beyond that, you know, I don't think we can uh, we can go uh, a game without acknowledging Diego Chara, who was a boss, as always. Uh, what I thought was interesting in this one was with Blanco sort of cutting in from the right, Valeri drifting out there occasionally, um, and Powell uh, going up and down the flank. Um, what we saw a lot was Chara. Uh, when he was getting down the field, he was sort of swinging out to the right. Um, and, you know, that sort of the the kind of free-floating motion of Blanco and Valeri um, is great, but the fact that Chara is kind of filling in the space behind them when they uh, when they go on a walkabout um, is something that, you know, lets that sort of function um, as opposed to just creating a pocket that Vancouver can break through. Just one thing, one thing, so that we mention him. I just want to ask what you guys feel about um, Guzman's hair. Uh, he's, he's the worst or the absolute worst. Kip, I'll throw this to you. He's he's easily identifiable. That that's all I got. Yeah, if if you like, take a minute to recognize where Vitas is, then he's easily recognizable. Otherwise, it's pretty confusing from the north end. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really uh, makes me want to listen to, like, early 2000s, like, pop punk. Um, like Sugar Ray? Other than that, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Neither yeah. pop nor uh, punk. Also, all the things I forgot Will, about, to you, I want to say bye-bye-bye, Frosted Tips. <laughs> oh, God. oh, Jesus. We've gone to Music Wasteland. I say I like it because I think it's part of Slim Shady's new viral marketing campaign for his new album. He's like, you know, it's like a big crossover between Eminem fans and uh, David Guzman fans. So let's... He got like 20 million views for denouncing Trump, but he's trying to like pick up the extra seven viewers who didn't see that and who are huge Guzman fans. And I, you know, I completely agree here, Roscoe. No other explanation. This poem's it's, an un- it's an unfulfilled market or something. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. All right, so one of you three has not led uh, forwards midfield, and um, I'm going to throw it to that individual, and I definitely know who that is. And in the course of throwing it to that one specific individual who I, I obviously yeah. remember, I want to specifically call out um, what we've got going on at Keeper for a particular shout outs what the hell are you talking about I don't know somebody hasn't done one yet I can't remember who it is I've been I drinking a lot of whiskey here it's oh Roscoe. yeah um, Roscoe, Roscoe we'll defense. edit the rest out you've got defense thank you drive through. Right, so I'll start with uh, Vitas uh, you know I think throughout the season you know Vitas got hurt and he was kind of benched what is he benched I don't know Whatever. is he good on defense I don't know you know, like that whole question is, and I, and I think there's, I have a kind of theory about this is that like, uh, Vitas just has to reach a level of acceptability on one-on-one defense. And 
he's really valuable going forward. Like that's just like the, the cleanest thing that you can you can say. But I think it's going to take him some time to get into form and to really get into a rhythm defensively, and he needs those minutes. And once he gets those minutes, I think that he'll be fine. Uh, you know, if we play Houston, though, that could be dangerous. So maybe that's something that to look at, uh, though we don't have a, a – I guess we could yeah, – we're not going to play Wayne Miller out there against Houston. But anyways, so I think Vitas um, has surprised me a little bit in the sense that how different it looks when he's on the pitch going forward and those 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 chances that you get from him cutting back inside or putting it across. Um, he's really dangerous out there. And – I think that's really cool to see. So I think hopefully he's in form and he won't have too many missteps on defense and we're going to get a lot out of him. Uh, another exciting thing is Pal. Just, I mean, he was destroying Brett Shea. Brett Shea. And as much as like... He made Brett Shea him, look very, very unqualified. More stupid than he already looks... Um, yeah, I mean, you take a man bun and you figure out a way to make that look more stupid. I mean, hats off to Alvis Powell. And hats on to Breck Shea. Um, I, I think, like, his defense on Breck Shea is some of the, like, more vintage Powell stuff that we've seen when he's on it, when he's playing well. He's really physical. Um, and he's going to bump that guy off the, the ball the majority of the time he can sort of get in into his area. And so I think that was a huge thing. Um, Larry's, I think, is real cool because the dude just, like, is constantly battling. And he has recovery speed. So when he kind of, like, maybe loses a battle, a lot of times he can get back and, and grab it. And I think we saw that a few times. You know, the game's kind of been a, a little bit time and i'm watching from the other side but there was plenty of times where i just see larry's like just like hoofing it and getting back in time um and i think was sort of rounding into form so the back line looks good is that possible will conwell <laughs> uh i i think the answer to your question is what yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that... Uh, was there some kind of with... chemical castration after last week's episode that I didn't <laughs> hear about? Were we supposed to do that? Sorry, did I miss an email? No. You miss all the emails, because <laughs> we don't send them to you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, I think the, the Timbers back... When you say really... send them, are we talking about emails, or...? Well, they're they're pictures, so they're attachments. Oh, good grief! Will please continue. We're gonna have to adjust the like rating on this podcast here. Is the Timbers backline good? Yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> Ridgewell uh, is is playing well. Uh, Larry's is kind of a beast, uh, and um, when you've got two guys who you're asking to get forward uh, like Vitas and Powell, uh, then you're going to have uh, Guzman dropping back into that 
uh, spot between the center backs uh, and kind of taking up that space, um, which I think is where he's really at his best in terms of his ability to distribute and hold the ball. Um, you know, he uh, he still has the occasional gaffe, but um, I think that him in combination with uh, with the Timbers' two center backs is really uh, something that um, has given the Timbers a, a lot of strength through the center, um, which, you know, it, the uh, they haven't always had that this year, um, especially when uh, you're asking uh, guys like Valentin or uh, like Miller to, to come in from the wings rather than having uh, having him drop back. So, yeah, I feel like they're in a good spot right now. Um, and, you know, if uh, if they can just stay at the at the level that they're at, uh, then I think the Timbers are really positioned well uh, going forward. I don't know. What do you think, Kim? I agree. I think that this group is playing very well and in sync. Obviously, with um, Powell and Vitas going forward, as you said, Guzman is is falling back to help, or in some instances, if it's Powell going forward, Vitas is dropping back to cover cover the area, or if it's Vitas going forward, Powell's adjusting. I mean, they're basically communicating, and obviously, um, Ridgewell's organization and barking out orders is helping and, and the guys are listening and, and falling into those roles. And I think even Atanawa is doing a good job of making communication and, and mentioning certain things that he sees on the pitch. So you basically have five guys that are, that are basically talking and, and, and covering up stuff. And honestly, the one mistake that was made, um, you know, Mabiola missing on Waston and that set piece basically didn't come out to harm the Timbers that much because we were able to get a uh, Ridgewell goal off of a set piece just a couple minutes after that, you know? And so this group doesn't hang their head when, when mistakes are made. And that's really a sign of a team that I think is playing with a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, um, the thing that everybody has said is the Timbers will only go so far as where the defense can certainly take them. You know, we know this team can score goals. It's just whether they can stop teams. And right now the defense is doing a great job of stopping teams. And that that's really, this is the time of year you want that to happen. Anything else on defense? All right, so one of the conversations I really wanted to have was looking at Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Now, like a lot of Western Conference supporters over the past few years, I've um, felt pretty smug about <laughs> our uh, our performance and what it meant to be uh, in the mix in the Western Conference. Um, but as I look at it, 
you know, I saw a tweet by Merritt saying like he was all in on New York Red Bulls as are, I think, as are we all. Uh, but I want to just talk for a minute about what it means that as the winners of the Western Conference, literally the only team um, who has fewer points per game than us is the Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference. Like, um, is this a pure anomaly? Is this a new trend? Um, Kip, I want to start with you. What does it mean that every thinking Timbers supporter, I I think, is rooting for the Red Bulls at this point? Well, it, it's it's because of um, the ability to host MLS Cup. I mean, it, that that's, you know, so obviously it would be awesome to have the championship here in Portland, which wouldn't happen um, unless the Red Bulls won the East. So, yeah, um, for me, I think that, you know, there are cycles that leagues and, and, and groups come through. And I think what we've seen this year is the West, the difference between the top team, Portland, and the teams that floated on the bottom, the Galaxy, uh, Minnesota United, and Colorado, there isn't as much of a discernible difference versus what I think we saw in the East between Toronto, who ended up top of the top of the league, and uh, DC, which was the bottom team. I mean, you didn't, you know, Colorado upset a couple of teams on the West. The Galaxy had some points here. You know, um, Portland. We struggled with San Jose away from from Portland. There just seemed to be a lot more parity within that West. And so obviously the points were more difficult to pick up in those particular instances. The one thing that Toronto did that was different from some of the other teams in the East was the fact that not only did they get a lot of points from the East, but they did a good job against the teams within the West. Um, so I think that... Um, we, you know, the MLS experts have always said, you know, the West top to bottom is a tougher conference. And, and I agree because I think the talent disparity throughout the West is not as marked as I think it is in the East. But obviously between Toronto and NYCFC, Chicago, uh, Columbus, um, the teams there, there's a ton of talent. All, all throughout that. I mean, heck, Atlanta comes in a new team and lights up lights up scoreboards on a regular basis until tonight's playoff match. So, you know, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of my thoughts about it. Well, I mean, the uh, the one thing that you have to keep in mind, I mean, so first of all, the Eastern Conference teams did, by and large, beat the Western Conference teams more than the other way around. Uh, I mean, the East beat the West head-to-head this year. Um, Pretty handy. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Uh, that's the exception rather than where, the rule, though, right? Like, for the past two yeah, or three years, that I can remember, Western Conference did pretty well against the Eastern Conference, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, the other thing that's that accounts for why it's such a big points drop off between the uh, the East and the West is that there are just way more ties 
uh, between teams in the Western Conference. Uh, teams in the West um, just were a lot more conservative against each other, um, I, I think, is a, a big part of it. Um, you know, you when you look oh, at the... Will said uh, the West is more conservative. You can send your um, hateful emails to will.conwell at rosecitysoccershow.com. Did I break Will? Maybe. Roscoe, are you still alive? Yep. Uh, anyway, the uh, the Western Conference, um, you know, when you when you just look at the uh, the top few teams in the West, um, you know, Seattle Sounders have eleven draws. Houston Dynamo have 11 draws. Kansas City and Dallas both have 13 draws. Uh, and then when you look uh, over in the East, there is only one team uh, in the whole of the East that has um, double-digit draws, uh, Atlanta United with 10. So, you know, it, that's uh, those are points lost in comparison to uh, wins versus losses. I mean, it's two points between two teams as opposed to three. Um, so that's that's part of where the disparity comes from. Um, so it makes it a little bit more difficult to really judge uh, the the two conferences against each other just based on the points. Um, of course, like uh, like we said, that head to head definitely favors the East. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's been um, been a, an, an interesting year. Uh, in terms of comparing the two conferences as it has swung so far in terms of the uh, what people are saying about East versus West. Roscoe? Um, I feel like they covered it. I mean, the, the thing is, is like, I kind of wonder if a lot of the bottom teams in the East are way worse than the bottom teams in the West. It seems that way. But if the East overwhelmingly won their head away, uh, their head-to-head matches. Like, give it to them; they're good. We just got to beat them in one game. Okay, so we find ourselves in the um, let's call them playoffs. We've got. Uh, a home and home and we are sort of watching the knockout round. Um, Kip, let's start with you. What are your, what are your thoughts so far on the knockout round and what, if anything, can Timber supporters take away in terms of what's ahead? Well, I'm wondering where all the goals went. Cause last night we watched a scoring record. Was it, in the wasn't knock- one like seven nil and the other was like 13 nil or something like that. Yeah, something obscene, something obscene like that. It's like, yeah, New York was getting all cocky. Yeah, we blew out Chicago, and then Vancouver said, hold my beer. So, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of I mean, last... Did you watch those games? They were terrible. I did, <laughs> the Atlanta-Columbus I... game was great. Well, to me, I actually, I, I did watch more of the Vancouver-San Jose match, and to be fair, the earthquakes laid a 
the earthquakes laid a massive dumpster fire, which, you know, okay, that, you know, what the hell do you expect from San Jose? I mean, seriously. Yeah, the Atlanta-Columbus game today was huge, and it was two teams that really played exceptional soccer and, you know, as, as much as that's an exciting game, I hate to see a team lose in, in that way. But, you know, we're not going to end up playing like four hours of soccer to try to get one goal. It's just, you know, um, I think what the Timbers supporters can take away from it is knowing that a Cascadia team is going to be in the Western Conference final. And, you, you know, we hope, we obviously hope that it's the Timbers that are going to do it because, the other two Cascadia sides are going to get a, a a home and home of their own to beat each other up. And quite frankly, I would love that to go to extra time and leg two and get on penalties and have that be an emotional wreck for both of them. You know, just, you know, because obviously I'm betting on the Timbers to get to the finals and, and have to deal with one or the other. So... Um, and obviously, um, Vancouver is is Vancouver showed something in in putting up five. They're they're not a team that you can necessarily sleep on. Um, East, the East is going to be interesting because you watched Chicago get beaten and beaten really badly against the Red Bulls, and that was something I did I didn't expect. I, I really expected Chicago to put up more of a fight, especially being at home, and they just, they didn't. I mean, San Jose, okay, they lucked their way into the playoffs. They got they got had to play in, in Vancouver with the Caps fans. That, I think I could kind, kind of understand why that was a blowout. But Chicago having a home match against the Red Bulls, there's no excuse to be blown out by four. I'm sorry. The, the fire the fire are a better club than what they showed um, in the knockout. Dax McCarty stepped on my foot once. Uh, Wait, how rude. what? Tell that story. How, how, how rude. Uh, well, it was just uh, in the celebration of the Gold Cup, you know, and the uh, U.S. Women's National Team Still existed, and uh, I was just like down there, like trying to shoot uh, pictures of the cup, and uh, he stepped on me, and then he looked down and he apologized like three times, and was like general, generally like like upset about it, and I was just like, man, it's okay, like I'm the idiot that's like in between all of you, like down on the ground where you can't see me, uh, but yeah, so he's a nice guy. That's it. Yes, hold on one sec. I'm tweeting it, Roscoe. Give me one sec. Okay. All right. Um, in the pod, you can't be on Twitter during the pod. <laughs> Roscoe, we've been going back and forth for like 15 minutes now. Don't even pretend like we're not tweeting at each other right now. I didn't say. Oh. I just like responded. I didn't like. We're not going back and forth. We're not talking. You didn't say anything um, in substance. I me. tweeted something. You responded, and then I tweeted back. So I'm not sure what your definition of responding is, but to me, it mostly means, like, are we responding to one another? But that might be my mistake. I interpret responding as responding. I'm, not, I'm open to other definitions. 
Well, I'm going to respond to your latest tweet after the pod because I'm a respectful you man. You literally just favorited my tweet, like right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else we need to cover, either in terms of the Timbers clinching? We haven't even mentioned um, Cascadia Cup. Does it? Is that still a thing? Am I the only one who still cares about that? Uh, Will, can you – Help me clarify whether I should continue to invest time and emotional energy into the Cascadia Cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should. I'm, oh, I'm writing this in my diary. Hold on one sec. Yes, I, Curly Q, should. Uh, I mean, if... Uh... If you don't care about beating uh, Seattle and Vancouver, then, I mean, what are we even doing here, man? <laughs> Completely. Drop the mic. Boom. But, okay, so, Will, let me let me push back on that. If we could get enough points to win the Cascadia Cup versus Seattle... Uh, and none of our results versus Vancouver mattered, would you, is that an outcome you would accept, or would you demand also Dominion over Vancouver? Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I think I would also demand Dominion over Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Sounders, um, are, you know, for a long time, we're probably the more hateable of the two clubs, but Vancouver's really worked hard and they've put in a lot of effort uh, and they've really risen in that respect, in my estimation. So, uh, you know, I think that you, even, even if you are winning the Cascadia Cup, the Cascadia Cup itself is not... Um, is not the and it's more of just a, a a physical representation of your your wins over the most important opposition um so yeah i mean i i think you're you're in in answer to your question yeah of course you want to beat vancouver too but like you can never well Barring an extremely narrow set of circumstances, you're never going to um, win the Cascadia Cup without some sort of result against both sides. I think you could win versus Seattle and draw versus Vancouver, but I'm going to need somebody better at math than I am to figure that out for me. It's one cup to roll all of the Cascadia supporters. What else do you need to know? And also, let's be real, when... Sorry, go ahead, Roscoe. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. You constantly want to interrupt me. Well, I won't. I don't want to, but I have to because you stole from the show. <laughs> Roscoe, you you saved me from me, and it's very much appreciated. Thank you. Continue. Um, I think that the Cascadia Cup is like uh, that moment in Babe where the farmer like realizes like, hey, I'm gonna take that pig to the to the shepherding competition. It's not the that'll do pick that comes for when you win the cup, but like it's like when he you decide like, hey, you know what? Me and you, we could do something crazy, and it takes a leap of faith. 
So if you win the Cascadia Cup, it's like that moment where you're like, you and I, me as a supporter, you as a team, we could do something crazy. Let's go. I, I feel like the highest fo- – well – let me let me check that. The second highest form of Cascadia Cup is clinching the Cascadia Cup, looking down at number two Seattle Sounders and number three Vancouver Whitecaps. The only potentially higher form of Cascadia Cup would be clinching the Supporters Shield and looking down at number two Western Conference uh, Seattle and or number three Western Conference Vancouver. Like, I don't. I I think the only way this could get better is if in clinching the Cascadia Cup, we also clinch the Supporters Shield. Kip, any uh, any disagreement from you? Uh, the, the Supporters Shield to me is always a great honor because that's most points in the regular season, and that's to me pretty significant. So I I would love I would love that. But for me, the Cascadia Cup still holds a lot of appeal, and I'm dating back to my days of usl your where it's like i love and being able to hold anything over the uh craps and flounder supporters you know and us holding the cup means they don't that was my philosophy in high school football also that you don't that you want to hold your own cup. Oh, I see you pee. I got it. <laughs> All right, guys. Any, anything else on uh, Timbers Western Conference MLS Cup playoffs? Anything like that? Do, what is there anything somebody's afraid of? Because I feel like throughout this spot, it's very rosy and everybody's informed. But like, is there one position? Is there one place on the field that you guys feel is vulnerable? I'm I'm choosing to believe beyond reason now. Uh, I'll change that thought in a couple of Kip, days. That was literally your philosophy before the season started. So right. I'm not sure what we've gained by getting an update well, on that. I just that was your you philosophy know. at the dentist this week. Yes, it was. <laughs> I know. Believe beyond I, reason. Give me that laughing gas. Let's do this. Well, let's do this. I mean, I don't. We don't. I don't know who our opponent is. I mean, I know it's Sporting or Houston. So, quite frankly, let's let's worry about that when we know. Fiftieth minute, playing. zero zero. Yup, yup. As we speak. How are the pearly whites, Kip? Um, not bad. It was just gum graft surgery. So basically, my face swelled up like I was in a fight. So. Oh no. Yeah, no, it's all good. But hey, kids, uh, take care of your teeth and don't let your gums recede. This is brought to you by Trident or the American Dental Association. Yeah, four out of five gums choose dentists or something. Yes. Crazy tonight, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, I'll get this up as quick as I can. Um, it's really good to be back in the saddle here. Uh, it's fun talking to you guys again. I'm I'm sorry it's taking us so long to get together. Uh, it's all good, guys. I had so much fun. Oh, I had some yeah. serious battle sores. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't battle sores, Roscoe. I'm walking all bow-legged. <laughs> all right, guys. Peace out. Talking about this football. <laughs> all right. See you later. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of Rose City Soccer Show.
Speaking of non sequiturs from the cutting room floor. Well, in all seriousness, thank you so much for coming over to say hi. Uh, I'm sorry. I was like, I, I brung the awkward in a way that I feel like posterity will someday recognize that day as a day awkward hit maximum awkward. But, uh, I really appreciate you powering through that and coming over to say hi anyway. Oh, Dan. The only thing awkward about that is uh, how awkward you keep insisting that it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were there. You know goddamn well it was awkward. You can pretend like it wasn't, but that only adds to the awkwardness which I bear on my soul. Yeah, fair enough. And by bear, I mean it was more awkward than a bear at a birthday party.